0: This is the Fostering Church Podcast, giving you and your church clarity about where to focus so that you can help provide more than enough for children and families in foster care in your community. Here are your hosts, Jason Johnson and Jason Weber.
1: Welcome to the Fostering Church Podcast. I'm Jason Johnson, and I'm here with my friend, Jason Weber. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jason. Well, I can't believe it, but here we are at the end. As we've mentioned all along, the Fostering Church Podcast is a limited series So far, we've unpacked five of the six key pillars of what an actively engaged church in foster care looks like, and today we're covering the big one, number six, prayer. Not only is prayer a big one and is so important, but we actually have the perfect guest on to talk about this today.
2: Yeah, that is the truth. We're going to be talking to Bishop Aaron Blake. You know, the first time I talked to Bishop Blake about the role of prayer in church foster care engagement, I, I thought he'd be good to ask about it. I mean, mostly because he was a foster dad and a foster care advocate and a pastor. And I mean, if you're going to ask someone about prayer, a pastor's pretty safe bet. It's a good place to start. But when I really began to understand the role prayer played in this particular pastor's church, I was honestly blown away. I can't wait for our listeners to hear from him. Uh Uh-huh, absolutely, 100% agree. But, you know, Weber, before
1: we get to that, we actually have something very important that we need to cover first. And you shouldn't be surprised by this by now, but I've got an important question to ask you.
2: All right, the last very important question. (laughs) The last very
1: important question. Well, this sort of feels like kind of full circle uh, because in the very first episode, we talked about both being named Jason and what that meant to us growing up. But my question for you today is this. When you were a kid, besides Jason, what other name did you have? Did somebody give you a nickname? Uh, Did you like it, not like it? Um, Do you have scars, wounds because of it still today. Uh, Tell me about that.
2: Yeah. You know, nothing super creative, but uh, as I mentioned in the first episode, because there were five Jasons in my grade in school, uh, it became, I think, just more functional than anything that I just got called by my last name. So uh, Weber, uh, which got shortened to web. And then I had a handful of people that called me uh webhead i don't webhead. know where that came from <laughs> okay. uh in fact this is an interesting tidbit so i i got called weber i went off to college uh still was called weber throughout college started dating uh a, a girl named trisha uh and she because all of our friends called me weber she called me weber um hmm. she called me weber through dating through 3 years through engagement and the day we got married the day that her last name changed to weber it just didn't feel like it fit anymore. So that was the day that she started calling me Jason.
1: That's so funny. Did it feel weird when she started calling you Jason? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's even still weird now. If my wife says, Hey, Jason, I'm like, Whoa, don't that's not, don't call me that. Right. Cause she's got other (laughs) nicknames for me. That's, that's super funny. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So how about you growing up? Well, nicknames. Oh, man. You know, I think I've, I've mentioned at some point that uh, in college, um, a guy I worked for called people by their Jedi names. And what that meant for him was uh, he liked to say your name backwards, starting with your last name. And then into your first name. And so apparently Jason Johnson backwards is um, Nosnodj Nosage. So that was a nickname in college with the guys I worked with, uh, my quote Jedi name. But in high school and with a lot of other uh, folks in college as well, The name Iceman stuck, and I'm not sure why. I think there's maybe some Top Gun roots to that. Nice. Uh, But um, I was referred to as Iceman. I like to think because, you know, um, I got ice in my veins, right? Like nothing phases me, put me in front of anything, and I'll remain calm and cool and collective. But perhaps it may have meant... I don't know. Maybe people looked at me and thought, man, that guy is cold and, and harsh. And, you know,
2: uh, I don't know, but uh, I'll take it, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, anything that associates you with Val Kilmer, I think. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it's a win. I think yeah, it's a like,
1: win. So you're calling, you You look at me and you immediately think um, uh, fighter jet pilot. Great. Done. Sold. I'll take it. That's right. (laughs) Well, so all that being said, you know, Bishop Aaron Blake was not only a foster dad and a foster care advocate and a pastor, he also had a pretty cool nickname in high school. And we're going to ask him about that today.
2: That's right. Let's go to that interview with Bishop Aaron Blake. Hey, thanks so much for being here with us, Bishop Blake.
0: It's it's good to be here. Good to see you guys. And uh, man, I'm honored.
1: Mm, Well, so are we, Bishop. And you know, before we, we jump in, uh, Weber was telling me that you picked up a pretty cool nickname while playing football in high school, and I'm interested to learn more. Can you tell us about that?
0: Well, uh, yes, you know, the, I had a, I had a coach that uh, had decided that, I, that on, I need to play defense as well as offense, so he said, you make a good defensive back. So uh, after my second or third game, uh, we were watching film. And he looked out there and he said, he said, look at spider. And he said, Do you see his spider legs? Man on they skinny. <laughs> Everybody started calling me spider. So when when the when when people start asking me, why do they call you spider? I said, because man, I cover those guys on offense so well. When when they come into my web like a spider, <laughs> you know, I zap them. Mm. And so I tried to turn that that nickname that uh, that meant my skinny legs and something make me a little bit more like a football hero. I like it. I, I think they I think they call that spin. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I spin. I spin the story uh, uh, to protect the innocent.
1: Oh, there you go. Maybe your nickname should be be the spin doctor. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: that. You know, I, I also had skinny legs in high school, but I never managed to get a cool nickname out of the deal. So I'm a little jealous. They just people just looked at me and said, your legs are skinny. You know, yeah, they I mean, me too, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want anybody that's listening to this, you know, walk up and next time they call me Bishop Spider. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. If you're listening, you heard that. There's This does not give you permission to refer to Bishop Blake as Bishop Spider. All right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Bishop, you know, we're going to be talking about the role of prayer in church foster care ministry. But before we go uh, all the way there, uh, you and your wife Mary first got unexpectedly engaged um, in, in foster care. Tell us about the role that prayer played for you, just as a just as
0: a foster mom and dad. Well, you know, my my, my wife and I we we understood uh, because we had six biological children, and so uh, they came through first, and so they indoctrinated us in in, in neology, uh, and neology is just where where we went when we couldn't figure out what what to do with with a five year old Alex. Or a fourteen-year-old Camille, and that and those are my names of my part of my six bio kids, and um, and we we would just kneel and, and pray and call their names out before the Lord and say, God, you give us wisdom, because there's only one Camille, there's only one Alex, there's only one AC, and they're different from the other, and so uh, we use some neology and some knee pads.
1: Man, that's so good. Uh, I love it. Neology, write that down if you're listening. Uh, that's that's gold to remember. Uh, you know, and as most of us have experienced, Bishop, and we've mentioned on this podcast more than once, God invites us into one thing, and then it often tends to turn out to be a whole lot more, a whole another thing. Um, and it's not that God's tricking us, it's that God's inviting us. And he's saying, let's start here, and then we're gonna see how this thing unfolds. And so, um what did prayer begin to look like as you started thinking about your church getting more engaged in foster care? You know, you were praying for your family and um and and then that evolved into now, what does this mean for our church?
0: Well, you know uh, as as our biological family kids uh, begin to grow, and then as uh, as my boys uh, came into our home that were engrafted into our family um we wanted we wanted prayer to be to be uh something that wasn't a a religious exercise but a relational uh communication that we shared with one another and so we prayed we prayed together in communication with one another to god and we would sit down and uh, and we didn't go through the ritual of closing our eyes and all that because I, that w- that would really our, our boys that was in foster care that probably would have really freaked them out you know uh, they didn't come from the, the background that my kids did but uh, we just talked to them hey let, you know let's let's talk and communicate uh, together uh, in conversation uh, and and, let, and and God's going to listen to us mm. and so. We began to talk to one another, and um, it, it led into the ability to pray through conversation. And, and from there, um, because we had prayer um, weekly at our church, I wanted not to be uh, some religious thing, but began to write down some things and write down some names. And one night, I, I, I wrote down uh, um, uh, a number, and that number was the number of kids that were in our county. That uh, that needed forever families, and I asked our church until that number is reached, we're going to pray every week for that number to be reached, mm. and that, so that's how our church our church began to pray. Mm.
2: And so, as you began to pray uh, there with that number, um, was that prior to that Sunday morning uh, that stand Sunday, or was that after?
0: It, it, it was prior uh, because. Uh, Mary and I, we knew that that uh, that we were we were pregnant with an with with uh, an idea, but we didn't know what it was. We didn't know what to do. Uh, all we knew is that we had six boys that uh, that we uh, that we were challenged to make sure that they uh, that they never felt abandoned. They never felt like they didn't have family, uh, and not only us but our church family. But we, uh, we we kept getting calls and kept seeing the numbers, and we wanted to know what our church could do. So prayer, prayer became the the foundation for penetrating the hearts because we we knew that 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 their heads, the thinking, wasn't going to comprehend how they could handle uh, kids that come from hard places um, uh, at the place we are in. So we didn't want that to be a struggle. We wanted that to be a, a God touching the hearts and touching the minds of the people in our church, and that and that really tenderized the hearts and 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 processed some things. Um, that the, the day that we that we stood on Stand Sunday, um, everyone was ready. <laughs> now I didn't know that they were ready, but God mm. had prepared them and just for our listeners who aren't familiar with the story
2: um when we're talking about you know you standing up on stand sunday that that wasn't a thing prior to that day (laughs) this was (laughs) it's not like you were observing a day that existed like we do now uh that was the very first stand sunday can you walk us Mm -hmm. through what happened that morning
0: well you know the 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 the, the the setup for that, and I say setup because you know God sometimes uh, sometimes uh, 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 speaks through us through setup, and I, and uh, and I, and the setup was one of my boys' rights was terminated, and I first time I ever went to children's court, and I went to, just to just to see what that what was going to happen, and then after I saw series after series kids coming in, uh, fi- uh, 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 case workers and families coming in, and and their stories. Uh, it broke my heart when I was sitting there in court. And then finally they got to to my son and uh, and it, it was over in less than five minutes. The CASA worker spoke, the caseworker spoke. Uh, they handed the the papers to the judge. He signed them and the caseworker was walking out the door. And uh, I ran out to catch her, said, what just happened? She said, rights was terminated. And so uh, th- th- that really uh, brought me uh, to a place where I felt like, man, if this happens every week in my county uh, and case after case and, and kid after kid, somebody needs to do something. And and I realized that somebody wasn't me, that somebody was the body of Christ. And uh, now I didn't have a, have anything written out, didn't have no plan, didn't have no revelation of anything. I just stood up and just asked a question and and. You would you would have thought that uh, I had I had planned it for for weeks and months and had had the theology behind it, but no, it was just simple. Will you stand? And uh, and they stood that Sunday, and thirty nine kids came in after that.
1: Wow, I mean, just to take that in that we are speaking with um, the man who really, in a lot of ways, started a movement and started something that so many churches now around the country and around the world recognize and stand Sunday. And it began through prayer and it began through you as a pastor, as a dad, as a foster dad, sitting in court and watching things unfold and, and realizing this is the place that the church needs to be and where we need to stand Uh, And it's so powerful. And I I know from my time as a pastor, bishop, that sometimes getting the congregation engaged in prayer uh, can be difficult, right? Like it it actually coming to prayer meetings can be one of the most challenging things a pastor attempts to do sometimes. Um, Like everybody's there for the potluck and then it's crickets at the early morning prayer meeting, right? So what advice do you have for those who may be a little discouraged, trying to get people to really come together to pray and pray specifically for kids and families in their community. How would you encourage those pastors and church leaders?
0: Well, you know, I, I what what I try to do, I, I, I try to um, not so much challenge, but I try to present uh, an, an opportunity for conversation with God and. Um, and uh, the opportunity is bigger than we could ever we we could ever accomplish, uh, uh, more challenging than than we could even uh, imagine or even even whole within our own compass. And so, presenting that to to our church, presenting the numbers, uh, presenting the stories, um, having our boys uh, uh, physically there, and um, inviting in caseworkers, inviting in case, workers, inviting in, uh, uh, case managers, um, and then uh, just sharing my heart and my story and asking the church, will you pray for us? Mm. And so the prayer really started with, with our church praying for us and praying for our boys. Mm. And then we extended it out from the, the, the physical, visual, visual target of us being a foster family, to other foster families and then asking them uh, will they then join and then asking the church, if you can't foster, if you can't adopt, uh, uh, will you pray? And we're going to pray every Wednesday uh, night. And um, if we can have names, we will. And if we don't have names, uh, we definitely have some faces of those that are in our church and around in our community. And uh, that prayer uh, from our church started, um, and we're talking about now almost 10 years ago, well, longer than that. Um, but we have a prayer meeting every morning at 6 30, that's still going on today.
1: Wow. Wow. You know what strikes me about what you're sharing is just how specific the prayer opportunities are that you provide for people, that it's not kind of a big lofty, pray about what God might be calling you to. Although of course that's part of it, but it's very much, let's pray for this family. Let's pray for this name. Let's pray for this face. Let's pray for this story and how helpful that is for people to bring it that close and to, and like you've said, for it to be more of a relational conversation that then God can begin to stir in their hearts and maybe some very specific ways. I, I really appreciate how you have shepherded people through prayer in in that way.
0: Well, the thing of it is, is this, uh, uh, uh I, I can't say Jason cause you know, you know, which, which, <laughs> that's
2: right. That's right. There's a couple of them. You're, you're safe though. You're safe. You're not going to call us by the wrong Yeah,
0: I always say that. that's true. Yeah. So I, I'll say JJ. Yeah. And, uh, but the the the, the thing of, of it is 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 that when when there is a target, and when it's intimate, uh, then it then it won't become routine, um, and mm. and you you actually you actually expect results because you're seeing it. So the closer we brought um, the, the closer we brought the need to the people, the more passionate they became about praying, and also about being willing to respond to what God was saying to them through prayer.
2: Yeah, I love that so much. And, you know, one of the things is, as you're sharing about all of this, one of the things that that comes to mind is just when you think about the prayers uh, that started in your family that led up to, you know, then went to your church and led up to uh, Stand Sunday, you know, the Stand Sunday story is getting told now all over the country, all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. And it's easy to think of that day when uh, that one woman stood up in the back of your church and answered that question that you asked Would somebody stand with me for kids in foster care. And you meant it as a rhetorical question uh, as pastors do, <laughs> but she, she took it quite literally and stood up and said, I will. And then a lot of people followed suit, but but that we, we often see that day as, as, as game day, right? We see that as the thing, but what, what occurs to me as you're talking is that's not so much the thing. The thing was all the prayers leading up to that, that Mm -hmm. the the real work Mm -hmm. was done. You know, we, we all want to be a football player, but don't really want to lift weights. We all want to (laughs) be a concert pianist, but don't want to you know, start out playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Like we don't want to do what is actually the thing to get to the mm. to get to game day.
1: That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, nobody wants to sit and, and and watch. You know, we just want the plant, the, the flower to bloom. But the the process of cultivating it and planting it and tending to it that's really the work. I love that that picture, um, and and how Bishop you've you've really laid out. Um, an opportunity for people to be to participate in that cultivation process that is that is bathed in prayer and is um, is specific to the needs of kids and families and is uniquely asking God in conversation. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? What does this mean for our church and for our community? It's so good.
0: The thing that that doesn't sound very spiritual, um, but is a reality. Is this is that in conversating with God uh, in prayer through prayer most of the time for me it's uh, it's all it's it starts out with, uh, with 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 God why me and God I don't think I can and uh, and uh, and God are you really saying this yeah and so as I as I walked people through my personal journey of that I'm not this super Super saint um, this super person that, that that really prays and fast and wins, shake mountains uh, that I come to God with my with my insufficiencies and with my weakness and um, and ask, ask God Lord give me your heart and and God help me with my inabilities um, to to do something about what I'm seeing what I'm feeling and so I don't want anybody that's listening to feel like you have to be a super saint um, uh, to enter into this area of prayer. This, uh, prayer is, is communing with God, uh, uh, about where you are and what God is, is what you're feeling in your spirit and then sharing in, in conversation, uh, fashion with God. And, um, and when we make it spiritual, uh, then that's probably when we're going to miss it. Mm.
2: Yeah, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, after your church uh, became engaged, Bishop, uh, you know, that grew to further include other churches in your community. And you, you know, as uh, Johnson shared earlier, what we started out intending, you know, always gets a lot bigger, it seems, with God. And so you ended up being an advocate in your community. And I know from talking to you about this before that you had a, a really interesting approach to inviting churches in your community into foster care. Uh, you didn't start by asking them to to be a foster parent. You didn't start by asking them to adopt. You started by asking them to pray. Uh, can you tell us how that worked with other churches in your community and why you did it that way?
0: Well, the the the, the thing that I want to first of all to uh, the pastors and the community to know that uh that foster care was not uncommon in in our community. There were there were grandmas and and there were aunts and uncles that were caring for kids that weren't birthed by them. And so it wasn't uncommon. Uh, the, the other thing I wanted them uh to know that um it wasn't is you know the uh the, the stories are not in, in Africa, in China, in, in those places, uh but they're probably two two blocks from us. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the the response doesn't have to be some, that you flew thousands of miles, and, and this kid was was malnourished, and and um, you paid thousands of dollars. Um, but it could be that you just uh, responded to wrap around and support um, a foster family or mom or or, or or kid, and then seek the Lord on what God is saying to you uh, about. Little Susie or little Johnny and um, and then then bring bring the story so close that uh, that the prayer then becomes about a person and not a number.
2: Yeah, and so you would invite churches in your community to begin praying for specific children with specific names.
0: specific children, and we would use the first name, and uh, we would. Uh, uh, whether it was in prevention, uh, whether it was in intervention or transition, uh, we would bring the stories. And uh, and then we moved from there to inviting pastors. Uh, uh, I, I, w- I would go every Tuesday uh, to every other Tuesday because it didn't happen every week. Being on the docket. I would invite pastors and, and other, others to go to court with me and just sit in court. Mm. And then when we leave out of court. We go get breakfast. And, um, and then I I say, hey, you know, let's, let's pray about what we just saw. Let's pray about what, you know, and I asked them, what did you see? What did you feel? What did you hear? Mm-hmm. And they would say, man, gosh, what's going to happen? And I said, well, let's pray about it and see what God says. And, uh, and then, uh, and then I try to follow up with them and say, Hey, you know, uh, is God saying anything to you in your congregation? Uh, what, what you know, I'd like to come and, and, uh, and share and, and see what, uh, what maybe some of your congregants would like to do, but, uh. But uh, first of all, just uh, uh, take this to prayer with your church uh, first and, and let God speak to their hearts. You know, don't we don't have to we don't have to create a, a, a five phase or 10 phase orphan care ministry. Let's first let God tenderize their hearts uh, through prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: well, you know, Bishop, a few months ago, you invited me, you know, you mentioned earlier in our conversation this morning prayer call that started over 10 years ago. And, you know, I've known you for uh, most of that time, I think, and I, I never knew about this prayer call until just a few months ago. And we were talking about this topic and you mentioned, oh yeah, there's this group of folks from your church, but from a lot of other places as well that have been gathering uh, daily. Uh, praying for children in foster care and you invited me to come and and join one of those times and i i just I, i've i've never experienced anything like it can you uh describe that prayer call and what god has been doing there
0: well the the, the uh, our prayer call really uh, really started out, out of uh, a broken heart uh that mary and i had uh, and just we just did not know what to do and we started in our church uh, uh just for praying for us um for what was god saying to us and what would god want us to do about the numbers that continued to grow and um and so the church started praying for me and then it then it expanded and then as, as some of our, our our young men that were in college went off to to pastor in other places uh they continued and so we um and other pastors that came through our church uh, left, so we decided one one um, uh, it was leading up to uh, adoption month. Really, uh, we decided that we were going to uh, uh, start praying up until November second, the second Sunday in November. Um, we were going to pray uh, every morning at six thirty um, uh, for the numbers in our county, and uh, and uh, we started praying, and then after after it passed. Uh, somebody said, uh, "Well, the numbers are not didn't had, hadn't hadn't changed yet. Should we stop praying?"
2: Hmm.
0: And um, we decided no. And so, uh, ten plus years later, uh, uh, we still see numbers, so we're still praying. Um, mm. But that that the amazing thing, the prayer line has also dwarfed to where those that can't get on at six thirty in the morning, they get on at eight o'clock at night, and. Uh, it's it and the, and these are people uh all across the country um, and that have uh, have heard about it have joined us and uh every time we get on you know we'll have a guest you know like you Jason and others uh but we'll have a guest and then we'll we'll uh, we'll mention we'll mention the numbers or we'll mention a kid or we'll mention a family uh, and um and then we'll pray and we ask we ask God for wisdom on what we should do if there's something that our group should do. And, uh, and then we try to respond uh, that way.
1: Hmm. Gosh, the faithfulness of so many, for so many years to just be in constant prayer for, for these kids and these stories and these families is, um, is frankly overwhelming just to consider how this has been the cultivation that's been going on for so long by so many who are faithful. And, so Bishop, um, as, as we wrap up our time, you know, those who might be listening and who are saying, gosh, I, I really want this so desperately to be a part of the culture of our church and our ministry. And I really want what we're doing to be bathed in this kind of prayer and this kind of focus. But I'm not entirely sure where to where to start or what to do next. How would you encourage them? And, and you know, um, you, you've you've seen the different dynamics in church. It could be a senior pastor who's listening to this, um, who um, is able to make decisions about how things are communicated from stage and, and what's gonna happen. It can also be a volunteer ministry leader in the church who might be looking at this saying, what can I do? Where can I start um, to really cultivate this in our church? So with those different audiences that we interact with how would you encourage them just some next best steps that they can take the,
0: the first thing to do is 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 seek god's wisdom on a personal level and find that passionate spot that that you would intercede yourself with god where, where does that where does that passionate spot take you to your knees with god personally and then, and then invite, next thing to do is invite your spouse or the closest person to you uh, to join in and share that passion, share that story. Give them a target. And then from there, uh, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're a pastor, um, uh, you know, uh, work through, uh, whether, it's, whether it's on the platform or whether it's through a group, uh, and give them a target. Uh, particular to pray for, yeah,
1: sure.
0: and 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 I want to want to to know. I mean, the targets the targets are many. You won't run out of targets if they're your children,
1: <laughs> and they're moving targets, and often. they're
0: moving targets. <laughs> that's but, right. But 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 always make it a target, and make it a target that's close enough that that you, you can conversate with God, and God can conversate with you, and then you can respond in a tangible way. And then God will direct the rest, the, the next step. Uh, hmm. Because one one thing about it is the fervent prayer of the righteous avails much, and and God will encompass uh, the collective body as they pray. Uh, but you pray with passion and pray with purpose, and then God will give a plan.
1: Whoa, that's good.
2: It's almost like it's it's almost like he's a preacher.
1: Yeah, yeah. He it's like he knows how to alliterate. With the- <laughs> Uh, With three points, man, I I love that passion, purpose, and and God will provide the plan. That's so, so
2: helpful. Mm. Well, Bishop Blake, thank you for, one, just uh, being an example and a a mentor to so many of us. Working in this space of foster care advocacy, mm-hmm. uh, we often think of you, uh, when we do what we do, uh, and, and are inspired by the, um, the groundwork you've laid and the, the, the path that you have blazed and, and none, none of those paths, uh, more significant than this one that you've modeled that at the end of the day, this isn't primarily about just you know, a really strong recruitment plan, though that's important. It's not about really strong um, strategies and all those things, but that it starts with prayer and those other things flow out of that. So thank you for not just being able to talk about that, but for modeling it for us. And thanks for spending the time with us.
0: Well, thank you guys. And uh, and I want to say to you guys and to those that are listening, um, man, I, 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 I love every one of you. Uh, special with a special love and I love the way you love others and you love kids and what you what you do and for those of you that are listening um, I, I you know, some of you I may never seen may, may never see but uh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna be praying for you and I'm going to ask our prayer team to pray for each one of you that are listening here as God orchestrates you through this prayer wall together and so uh, I love you uh, appreciate you so much amen
1: thanks Bishop. Wow, Weber, I got to be honest, just to sit back for a second and take all that in and just um, absorb it. It was so, so good. What an incredible example Bishop Blake has given us to make prayer the foundational part of our church foster care ministries.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, some uh, listening might wonder why, if prayer is so foundational, why did you guys leave it as the last Mm -hmm. pillar? (laughs) Why Mm -hmm. did you talk about it last? Um, I actually think it's the perfect way to end. You know, We have talked about strategies for all of these different pillars, and strategies are important. But at the end of the day, what we want to see in your church, in your community— is spiritual movement. And no spiritual movement in history has been started apart from prayer. Absolutely.
1: And by doing this one last, we hope the message is that ultimately, church foster care ministry is not about just getting more people to help solve a big problem. While of course, that's part of it. It's so much more than that. It is always and first about God and what he is doing it is always about the gospel being demonstrated by a group of people that are utterly dependent on him and prayer is the ultimate indication of that dependence on God
2: For sure. And if you're wondering how you might guide folks in your congregation into meaningful prayer for foster care in your community, we have something for you. We have a beautiful foster care prayer guide. It is available as a free PDF, but can also be ordered in printed form in bulk if you want to get it in physical form uh, to give to others in your church and community. To learn more about that, just go to the show notes at morethanenoughtogether.org. Click on the podcast tab at the top of the homepage and find your way to the fostering church podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and one more thing while you're there in the podcast
1: section of the more than enough together website, be sure to check out some of the other podcasts produced by the Christian Alliance for orphans. All of them have been created to help you do what you do with excellence and with deep connection to God who
2: has invited us all into this important work. That's right. That's right. Well, it is time for us to close this thing down, close yeah. down this last episode of the Fostering Church podcast. If I'm honest, I'm a little bummed about that. Uh, Jason, it's been a blast doing this together with you. And we just want to thank each of our incredible guests that we've had along the way through these seven episodes. Uh, they inspire us and we know that they have inspired you as well. Absolutely. It's been so good and rich.
1: And I just want to say to all of you listening, thank you for joining us. We're grateful for what you are doing for children and families, and we are here to help you get it done together. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. So this is Jason. And on behalf of the other Jason, it's the Jason's signing off.
0: This has been the Fostering Church Podcast. Join the Jasons and their guests for all seven episodes dedicated to helping your church provide more than enough for children and families in your community. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts so that we can help more churches help more children and families. The Fostering Church Podcast is a production of More Than Enough, a collaborative movement facilitated by the members and partners of the Christian Alliance for Orphans. For resources related to this episode, click on the podcast link at morethanenoughtogether.org. That's morethanenoughtogether.org.